0: is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review we received on Apple Podcasts. She said, life-changing. This podcast was the catalyst to me being able to identify what truly went on in my seven year marriage and how to set boundaries for my own safety. Thank you so much for your five star rating and your review. It's so nice to have Kate on today's episode. She is an amazing warrior for truth and for justice and for women all over the world. She is a shero and she has been through it all. She does a lot of research and she's just one of us. And so welcome back to the podcast, Kate. Hello. Hello. We're going to talk about kind of witty comebacks to triggery statements that people might say at church or neighbors might say or family members, things that may or may not disarm the person. However, we need to do a very big warning here is that Kate and I are just going to brainstorm. We're just going to like throw things out there. We do not recommend you actually using these. So please do not be like, well... Kate and Anne said that when someone says this, I should... Play with this. That is not what this episode is about. So I just need to put that out there. Do not try this at home, folks. We're just like imagining or brainstorming about different ways that even if we don't say it out loud, maybe we could think of it in our head and then we won't feel so bad or maybe we won't get so triggered. Or maybe at times we might want to say it out loud, depending. But this is not a script for you to use with a super nice lady at church who <laughs> you call her out right there and she's in tears that would be terrible. Okay, so we're not doing that. To start this, let's think about some common things that well-meaning people might say at church or in your neighborhood or in your family that shows that they really have not been through this and they don't understand, but not necessarily that they're like bad people or they're trying to harm you. They're genuinely trying to help you or they care about you, but they just don't get it. Can you think of any Kate? Do you have any come to mind? Yes. Yes. Oh, you shouldn't out your husband. When they say out, they mean like you shouldn't.
1: Like if I happen to say at church or anywhere that, oh, my husband is a porn addict. I've had people tell me, oh, you shouldn't out your husband like that. <laughs> and I'm like, um, if he didn't want to be outed, he shouldn't have done it. Like <laughs> what? Okay. So what are some ways
0: that either in our head or out loud, again, do not try this at home, we're just brainstorming here, that we could come back that might either surprise that person or shock them or at least make us feel better in our own head. I'm thinking of, I know, and I also shouldn't have married him, apparently.
1: (laughs) I love the, well, it's my story. I get to say whatever I want. It happened to me. It's my story. And he shouldn't have looked at porn, so we're even. He made his bed. (laughs) (laughs) If he didn't want it, he shouldn't have done it.
0: (laughs) Here's another one that a lot of people say. He just needs your support. Yeah. Because they don't understand what's really happening. I mean, even sometimes in like... People's church literature or other places, it says, you know, if someone's in addiction, they're going to need your support and they're going to need your help. So if someone says he really needs your support, one thing to think or to say is, I really need his honesty or I really need his fidelity.
1: I'm just like, support? Yeah. You mean like the first two years we were married where I just gave him so much love and support and was amazing? And then he lied. (laughs) Like what what kind of support are you thinking we've given them so much support
0: I supported his butt out of the house
1: (laughs) I supported him by doing what was best for me which was best for him yes
0: this one is like triggery to say and I've actually said this to people but I couldn't say it with like a smile on my face I was like saying it out of pain and I said something like no one should ever ask a victim to support their abuser
1: ever. It's so true. It's just, what do you mean support him? You mean what I've already done for so long and it didn't work? Mm-hmm. Well, I think people who even victims, so
0: even you and me, we tried that thing. Did anybody tell you? Cause people told me before they said, Hey, you know, you can't do his recovery, you know, la, la, la. They told me all this stuff. And I thought, well, he is going to therapy. He is doing these things. Like I didn't recognize that I was not only supporting him, but also managing his recovery and doing all these other things that I didn't really realize I was doing. And I thought it was working, but I was just being groomed and gaslit and stuff. So he seemed to be doing it. I never realized that. It seems to be a pattern that victims have to try that for a little while to see for themselves that it doesn't work. It doesn't seem like victims, generally speaking, because it's so common to say love, serve, forgive, support. Those are such principles of their church or principles that they've grown up with. It seems like they're just not willing to just ditch those right off the bat and go with boundaries. They kind of have to go through their own realization. What do you think? Have you ever met anyone who just went straight to boundaries?
1: No, No, actually no one. And I think it's kind of normal. Like I don't even necessarily see it as like a bad thing. I see it as it's like, you have to try this one way to know it doesn't work sometimes. And especially because it's not even just religious. It's like all culture is like, Oh, you got to support your husband. You got to be the good wife. And it just, we try it. Plus we are loving people. Of course, we're going to like want to help someone because let's say if our husbands were healthy, We're healthy people and they were struggling, it would be good for us to go and help them. That's a good thing. That's never a bad thing. But now all of a sudden it's like bad just because they lied about it. It's like, no, it's all on them. It's not like we did a bad thing, but yeah, we do have to learn our health is not really going to help them like we think it will.
0: Right. Well, the other factor is let's say your husband is struggling with eating too much chocolate cake. And you're going to support him by not bringing chocolate cake into the house. And it doesn't really matter. If he ate more chocolate cake, it's not going to ruin your marriage. It doesn't make him angry. He just doesn't want to eat it anymore. And he's asking for your help. And you're like, sure, I'm not going to buy that giant cake from Costco anymore. (laughs) Let's say you used to buy it once a week. And you're like, fine, I won't buy it. And he's like, great, thank you. And And then he's grateful. He's like, thank you for not buying that. I super appreciate it you're amazing. That's helped a lot. And things are fine. You just don't buy that cake anymore. No big deal. In this scenario, he's not asking for your support per se. He's giving an excuse for why he's not doing it himself. So basically, he's asking you to do something for him that he's not doing for himself. Plus, the thing that he's doing is hurting you. So he's essentially gaslighting you and victim blaming you and saying, I need help not hurting you, which is essentially saying, if you did something different, I wouldn't hurt you. Exactly.
1: It's comes from the entitlement and resentments. Right. So frustrating.
0: Right. So here's one that, um, I encountered, there was a woman who lived in my ex's neighborhood and I knew her from before. And I just said, Oh, Hey, I'm actually really concerned about my kids. Can you keep an eye out for them? And I kind of told her a little bit and the whole time she looked really uncomfortable. And then she said, it's okay. I don't know why you're freaking out. Your kids are going to be fine. Instead of saying, of course, I'll keep an eye out for them. This must be really stressful to you. She was just like, it's fine. I don't know why you're so upset. I couldn't think of anything to say in that moment. And I don't know if I should have said anything. I think I might've said, which didn't work. So don't do this. I think I said, it's not okay it's not okay. And then I just walked off because I was super mad and triggered. Any thoughts on something like that?
1: I think I would have been like, thank you. I feel so much better now. And then just like walk away, like with this like ridiculous fake smile, like, thank you. Yes. That is so helpful. Okay. Thank you. Not, not freaking out now. That makes no sense. You know, what's crazy.
0: You saying it's going to be okay. erases all of the facts. I appreciate you waving your magic wand of the words, it's okay, which apparently in your mind are magic and they make facts disappear. Thank you.
1: You just magically made my husband better.
0: (laughs) You just magically made them all better. Thanks. Or the situation. Fine.
1: Yeah. Thanks.
0: Other things you can think of.
1: Forgiveness. Just have a little more forgiveness for your husband.
0: When people say forgiveness now, do you know Hamilton? Yes. Forgiveness. You know that part where it's just like, <gasps> they sing forgiveness. And I'm not singing it right because I can't sing, but in that moment, and it's like, <gasps> in the play, it's very like that word. And when they sing it like that, it's like this burst of like peace coming through and happiness and something. I don't know. It feels cool in the musical. So for those of you familiar with Hamilton, you might know what I'm talking about. If you don't, sorry, I didn't mean to ruin it for you, but...
1: Actually, when you said Hamilton, I was thinking of the stand-up comedy (laughs) from Katherine Ryan. I don't know if I can watch Hamilton now because I will be thinking of her the entire time. Wait, wait, wait. When I said Hamilton, you were thinking who? Katherine Ryan does a stand-up about Hamilton. You have to watch it. It is so funny. She calls out the misogynistic crap in some of the parts, but anyway, sorry, sidetrack. the forgiveness. I'm just like, what do you mean forgiveness? If it was something that was in the past and then the threat was over, I could maybe understand that. And even then it's still nobody else's business. It's like baby steps. Forgiveness is not like all of a sudden done, like, okay, I'm done. No, it, baby steps sometimes. There's so many little different things to forgive. It's not just one big lump thing. So when someone says forgiveness, I'm like, yes, maybe when the threat is over and I've had time to cool down.
0: Yeah, I wonder if we said, how is me forgiving him going to stop me from being abused?
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there. But they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review that we received on Amazon. She said, complex trauma simply said. Betrayed women pour hours of research, trying to understand their abusive husbands and fix themselves. All these years, I betrayed myself, believing I had influence over him and questioning my gut. This book delivers the powerful take-home message that it's not about her, others won't always understand, and our power lies in trusting ourselves while seeking safety and freedom from abusive behaviors. Love the illustration of the woman experiencing positive vibes and serenity from inner strength and change. Thank you so much. Now back to our conversation. Like, how is me forgiving him going to stop him from harming me? Forgiveness will make me feel better if the harm is stopped. See, the problem with us thinking of all the things we should say to people, actually, I think this is a useful exercise because. The problem with thinking of things to say to people is that there are safe people who we could actually have a conversation with them and explain how we feel and talk about these things. And they would be like, oh, yes, I've never thought about that before. Oh, I totally see it. I'm so sorry. Like, I have a super good friend who, when neither of us knew what was happening, she said kind of all the wrong things. But once we knew what was happening and I had her read, why does he do that? All that stuff. Then she was like, I can't believe I said that stuff to you. I am so sorry. I was only trying to be helpful and I totally missed the boat. She's a safe person because she understood. And when I started talking to her about it and how I felt, she really got it. The problem with trying to like have a witty comeback or like just the right thing to say to someone when they say something stupid or when they don't understand or whatever is that if they're not a safe person, Number one, you could hurt a safe person. Like if you're snarky or sarcastic or something, right? It could actually hurt their feelings and then it could push safe people away from you. There's that. And then the second thing is that if they're never going to be a safe person, then you're just kind of setting yourself up for your abuser to be able to groom other people around you that it's your fault because they'll think, what is wrong with her? She's rude. Or she doesn't forgive, or she doesn't live a biblical life. Doesn't she know she's supposed to submit?
1: She must be so mean. Oh, the poor husband. Right.
0: Yes. I think in at least our church culture, uh, Kate and I have the same faith. A very outspoken woman, sometimes people feel sort of sorry for her husband. Do you think that?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. A million times over, yes, they will always feel way more sorry for the man than the woman. It's obnoxious. (laughs) Even my own family has done it, where everybody knows it's not a secret. But there was one time I happened to mention in front of family members, like to me, that's like nothing like he's sitting right next to me. He knows this. I know this. And I think I even said it kind of like jokingly, because I mean, it doesn't have as much weight as it might to someone else. But my sister ended up telling me that she's like, yeah, you called out your husband? And he looked so embarrassed. (laughs) I ended up asking my husband, I'm like, were you embarrassed? He's like, what? No, because they were feeling so bad for him because he just was sat there and didn't say anything. And he just looked so embarrassed. I'm like, what? I feel like you're kind of projecting your own feelings regarding this onto us because he was not feeling that way. And he ended up actually writing them all like a email. I mean, he sent it before he even told me he was going to do it. And he basically was like, no, I have ruined her life. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, she's allowed to tell whoever she wants. It was very validating, but it's still frustrating because no matter, if though he sent that email, I guarantee most people would still be like, yeah, but she just must be so controlling. Maybe she forced him to write that email or, oh, poor, poor man. It's frustrating.
0: In our faith, it seems like a lot of the men they might go in and confess to their clergy or something, and instead of getting some type of "Whoa, this is really serious. You are not following Jesus at all. Maybe we need to protect people from you because your behavior is pretty atrocious." Instead of saying that, a lot of times they'll tell these abusers, "Oh, you're not really that bad. You're great.
1: Oh, you just need our church. Go go to the temple." here, we'll give you a calling. This will help you.
0: Yeah, exactly. We'll volunteer more. This is really interesting because the point of this was like to think of witty comebacks and stuff. It's not really coming to us. Sometimes we do a really good job and we're super funny and we laugh our heads off. Right now, not so much. But what do you think the conclusion could be to this? Like if you need to process your own trauma through thinking, okay, these are the things I could have said, or this is what it really is then journal about it, talk to your friends, talk to members of the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group or other sheroes that you know. But in order to process it, because I think the conclusion that I'm coming to, and you'll have to tell me, Kate, what the conclusion you're coming to is from this conversation, is that when someone says something like that to you, it causes some type of I would say minor injury. Sometimes it depends on where you are in your trauma healing process. Sometimes it could be pretty extreme. Sometimes it could be minor. Like now when people say stuff to me, it's just like, whatever. I just, uh, the injury to me is a lot less than it used to be. But um, that it it to validate people who are like, why do these little comments that like the nice 80 year old woman at church tells me or my neighbor, why do they hurt me so much? And it, maybe to just validate women and say, of course, they're going to hurt you. Of course, you're going to need to process it. Of course, you're going to go through this time in your head where you think, oh, man, what could I have said back to this person, right, that could have either educated them or put them in their place. And maybe neither of those things are appropriate because you don't want to be putting an 80 year old woman in her place. That's just not nice. And number two, if they really, truly don't want to get it, then educating them isn't going to work. So the conclusion I'm kind of coming to through the process of this discussion with you is, that um to validate that we need to process it and then to kind of consider that it's not really our job and we don't have to worry about educating other people
1: or putting them in their place. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's beneficial to come up with the witty comments, but not necessarily to say to them because it doesn't ever really help. I love coming up with the funny comments, but it's more fun to then tell it to friends afterwards. <laughs> it's more funny then because that way you're not hurting other people, but you can still find some humor in it. So it doesn't feel so heavy. And I know in some circumstances, it really is best not to say much at all, because they're going to try to make you in the wrong, no matter what. But there are many circumstances where I actually prefer to be vulnerable and not necessarily for them, but for me, even if it's just as simple as, oh, that kind of hurt my feelings or... Well, he's really, really, really hurt me a lot. I'm still processing. I like to be vulnerable, something that's empowering for me. And I've noticed it actually does get the better responses from people where they're not defensive.
0: Rather than like a snarky, sarcastic one.
1: Yeah. They're still not going to always want to learn, but it might. It might help them think twice. But again, that's not the reason. The reason is because it actually empowers me to just be honest.
0: Mm Mm-hmm being honest is always a good idea. My concern is safety. Like, could you put yourself in a place where you could be harmed by that person? However, I think we might think, oh, I'm not safe to say this to someone. And if they don't like us (laughs) and we say, yeah, I'm super sad because my husband is abusive and they don't like us. However they felt before is how they're going to feel after. It's not like suddenly they're going to be like, wow, I like you now or I don't like you now. You're not going to change someone who really liked you and cared about you to someone who doesn't like you and cared about you. The safety factor is generally not like that, I don't think. You can tell the truth, and I think the truth enables you to see who is safe and who isn't safe.
1: Yeah, it does. And I think also when it comes to safety, a lot of times I find that safety within me. And yes, somebody might make me feel unsafe, but it doesn't make me feel unsafe to the point where I'm not gonna say, hey, that hurt my feelings. Only because I'm still safe enough to do that, because that is more empowering for me later on. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put this in words. I have not come across a time where I have been honest and vulnerable, and it made me more unsafe. And I was like, I shouldn't have done that. Because I always learned from something, I always learned from it. There are circumstances where, I mean, this isn't going to work for everybody. I'm not saying everybody should be like this because there are some horrible people out there. And sometimes the best thing is just to not say anything, <laughs> like, just to not say anything.
0: I think I was actually like that more at the beginning when I found out about my husband's porn use or my ex-husband's, you know, I'd see somebody at Costco and they'd be like, how are you? And I'd be like, really bad. <laughs> I just found out my husband's lied to me for six years or five years or however long it was at the time and that he's using porn and um it really stinks but it's super good to see you how are you doing you know and after that they'd be like uh and so I would do this quite a bit in the beginning and now I think I'm less like that number one because I'm not living in my trauma as much as I was anymore so like if they asked me how am I doing today I'd be like great I'm doing great I ate a salad today which was awesome. I ate a vegetable and I just read this cool book. You know, it's not like the thing on my mind. So it would be easy for me to talk about something else. I think I've learned to be a little bit more guarded, not necessarily because I don't want to be vulnerable. I'm totally willing to be vulnerable, but because I was thinking that shouting it to the world would bring safety. Like if everybody knew, how could he do it? You know, And I come to realize that that did not keep me safe either. So for that reason, I think about safety a little bit differently than I thought about it before.
1: Yeah, because it really doesn't go over too well when you're like, you know what? My husband just lied to me. And so I'm a little upset. (laughs) like, I just found out he's a big fat liar. That doesn't always go over too well. With people who
0: don't understand, it goes over super well in somewhere like betrayal trauma recovery group or with a friend who understands it like feel free to just say everything in that scenario that you want to say because you're safe there
1: yeah and I, I think you can still be honest in those circumstances without actually saying all of it you could just say you know what yeah i'm so so i'm alive i'm okay you know you don't have to be like i'm great and then be like i'm dying inside it's like you know what i'm having a day you can still find ways to, to be honest with right things are really really hard for me right now and if they say
0: oh what's wrong be like you know talking to you about it wouldn't be helpful but it would be super helpful if you could bring me a pizza <laughs> oh i can tell that you want to help and that you care about me by asking me but talking about it's not going to help but you know what would help if you fixed my sprinklers or if you if you moved and i never had to see you again <laughs> that one would be great. Do not, do not say that listeners do not, do not say that. I hope this podcast is helpful to people. We're just exploring this together. And that's what the podcast is for. Well, Kate is awesome. She is such a powerful woman and Shiro and she supports Shiros all over the world. And I'm so grateful for her stay tuned not next week but another time she's always coming back on the podcast to share her thoughts and epiphanies and important things that she's learned in her journey so I'm always thankful when she comes to share her wisdom with us if this podcast is helpful to you please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating thank you for helping other women find us If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.